0: Head to ICanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Backers together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Pat McKendry is on the panel with us this morning, as well as Jamie Wall. Good morning to you uh, gentlemen. Uh, Jamie, first of all, uh, do you hold out any hope for the Black Caps? And uh, what I class as a bit of a cricketing miracle this afternoon? Ah, uh, yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, Hart says yes.
1: He says hoping for a draw. Uh, to be honest, um, it's it's looking like a very very uphill battle. Um, and it's it's but but I have to admit it has been a fantastic test uh, to watch. It's been you know there's been heaps of uh, twists and turns and, and yesterday when we had them five down you thought oh you know there's, there's going to be a famous victory uh, in the making right here and then to watch it get uh, you know, pulled out of the grass by uh, IR and um, uh, Ravi Ashwin and, and uh, the keeper there uh, I mean you have to hand it to India that was a really gritty uh, run of partnerships there to, to, to rest, wrestle back control and put them in a position um, to win and I think I think if nothing else this has really shown how awesome Test cricket can be. Um, it's helped a lot by the fact that it's on a really handy viewing time for us here in New Zealand but I, mm. I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it a lot but uh, I, I, I'm, if we win it, it, it would be right up there with one of the great days of New Zealand sport I would have to say.
0: Well uh, Pat McKendry, uh, we just lacked, uh, as uh, Jamie pointed out, at that five down mark we just lacked that uh, that quality spinner to come in and finish things off yeah uh, and that really is a theme that uh, I think we have to focus on where are the spinners uh, in the in these crunch situations
2: absolutely guys and yeah, good morning to both of you and your listeners um, firstly you have to say it's a high quality test match um, both things have played pretty well up to this point um, and you know from New Zealand's point of view, fantastic performances, in particular for bowlers Sally and Jameson but you're right Smitty, we just don't have that elite spinner um, to I suppose compete at the highest level in India and India really shone the way there on a a pitch which has been a wee bit up and down and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that on the the final day today, so um, a good performance from the Blackhats, a bit unlucky last night with Will Young in the, uh, in the review mm. decision, um, just sort of ran out of time there didn't he, but um, yeah I, I, I agree it's not looking great for the Black Caps, I, I think they'll probably lose it, but um, a good performance nonetheless so far.
0: Pat, uh, interesting uh, to uh, see boxing news in Australia all of a sudden mm. has uh, found themselves uh, another champion and what was regarded by some as a shock to the boxing world uh, becoming the undisputed lightweight champion. Uh, how did you uh, how do you view this performance and, and this fellow George Cambosis Jr.
2: Yeah, um, well, firstly uh, the, the fight was quite reasonably remarkable uh, for the build-up, and there was genuine animos- animosity between the two, between Australian Cambosis and the American Teo uh, Lopez. Um, you know, I guess we would sort of get a bit jaded by the by the histrionics and the build-up to boxing fights but uh, this one clearly there was real animosity there and it it carried on into the ring and Cambosis I think he was a six to one outsider a real Aussie battler I guess in the true sense went in uh, to basically Lopez's uh, hometown New York Lopez is from Brooklyn and absolutely took the fight to him Uh, uh, Cambosis the Aussie knocked down Lopez in the in the first round And then um, he sort of accrued points through the middle. He was knocked down himself in the 10th, but he bounced back and won the last two rounds and won it by decision, a pretty clear cut, I think, even though it was a, a split decision in the end to Cambosis. But a remarkable performance, just the skill shown by both fighters, but in particular Cambosis uh, and the grit and determination and resilience to come back uh, and really pull it out of the fire at the end was just, just incredible to watch, to be honest. Um, you know, not only was it an upset, it was a great fight. You know, people are saying it's just the, the fight of the year. So, um, you know, that, that probably says it all, really. And so he's got a big teacher ahead of him. Uh, he's only 28, uh, and he's got some very big fights ahead, and um, presumably one or two of them will be held in Australia next year. So that's that's great for boxing fans from this part of the world.
0: Is he uh, is he Lonigan managed? Who's in charge of, of his, uh, his dealings?
2: Lou DiBella, the, um, the New Yorker, uh, is his promoter. Uh, he, uh, Lou DiBella picked mm-hmm. him up a few years ago when no one else really showed much interest. So, took a chance and it's well and truly paid off. Um, so yeah, he's he, he, he's a he's a very good. Um, he, he's, I mean, he's great to watch. You know, he's he's got the he's got the chat and the self confidence. You know, he wouldn't be an Aussie if he didn't have that. I guess so. Yeah, uh, he's, he's going to be really fun to watch the next few years.
0: OK, well, um, we'll take a short break for the news. Uh, Jamie Wall, Pat McKendry, when we come back, a couple of uh, issues to talk around about uh, crowds at women's sport uh, and um, one or two uh, high-profile rugby players saying they want to play for their countries of of birth or of parents' origin all of a sudden now that the eligibility rule has freed up somewhat. Talk, the opinions, the panel. Pat McKendry and Jamie Wall are our panellists this morning. And uh, Jamie, with uh, such a high-profile year in women's sport, uh, this uh, coming one uh, for World Cups, etc., uh, pressure's going to go on the New Zealand public, I think, in terms of uh, their support. We saw a crowd of 15,500 for the final of the Women's Big Bash League in Australia. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think the feeling will be there? Uh, are New Zealanders going to have to really get on board here? Yeah, well, I, I think
1: the issue is in, in the way that you've framed up that question. There, there shouldn't really be any pressure on the public to, to have to do anything here, um, because this is a product that's, that's being sold and marketed. And the pressure should be on the people that are doing that, not the people who are uh, expected to reach into their pockets uh, for this. Uh, you know and this is the this is i think one of the main reasons why uh, people feel the way they do about high profile women 's sport is because you 're kind of made to feel as though you have to uh, enjoy it and you have to support it and and when you're when you 're asking people to to pay money uh, uh, to engage in something um, you, you kind of don 't really have that right um, you know i mean I firmly believe that you know it 's worth uh, paying for and, and, and watching and supporting, but um, I, I don't feel as though these uh, competitions have any have any right to expect people that, that expect people will just show up uh, out of some sort of moral obligation to do so. It needs to be marketed and advertised, and people given reasons to go. and If you're talking about women's sport, you're talking about attracting families and children. Along and it needs to be an atmosphere that's conducive to that. I see the cricket, uh, women's cricket World Cup, has taken a really, really positive step and in, um, introduced um, ch- free childcare facilities at, their, at, at the home, at the games uh, that are being played, uh, which is which is which is a really, really good step um, to do. Uh, and I think that you know that sort of outside the box thinking, which is like you can't just expect people to show up pay money, sit there, watch a sports game go home and then expect them to come back. You need to give them other reasons Um, you know, there's there's, there's a whole range of things that need to be looked at around game day experience and to be fair I think cricket uh, does that pretty well they do have obviously the advantage of it being generally summer weather and nice days uh, and lots of space for them to be able to do that sort of thing but if we're talking about the Rugby World Cup next year just look at the crowds that were showing up to watch those Blackburns uh, versus England and France mm. uh, 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 test matches over the last um, tour, and that is a sign of more that rugby itself over there is well supported, and not just women's rugby. You know, like people just look at the weekend and think, yes, I'm going to go watch women's rugby. It doesn't matter which, uh, whether it's men or women. And I think that's the sort of attitude that needs to be taken here. It's, it's not just a women's sport thing in New Zealand, it's just, it's just a sport attendance thing in general, because right now, there's only one team that can fill up the stadium, and that's the All Blacks, and they didn't even do that the last time they played in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one for me as well, Pat, because um, historically, we like winners, um, we like to go and spend our money um, with a eighty ninety percent chance that we're going to come out on top, and we can with the All Blacks. Uh, but with both these two women's teams, they're going to head into these world events far from the favourites. I um, mean, at the moment, the rugby team would be at best third favourites, cricket team probably third or fourth favourites. So uh, there's something in common there.
2: Yeah, exactly right. Um, and Jamie made some good points there uh, around the the, the marketing. Of women's sport, I think with rugby, um, women's rugby has been seen as uh, almost been an afterthought. It's been begrudgingly sort of welcomed into the fold, as it were. Um, and I think that's you know punters aren't silly when you know when, when money money's at stake and they have to buy tickets. They know that they get the vibe, and so if it's sort of treated as a second-class sport, then they're less inclined to. Uh, to, to want to pay to a and I think that, that has been an issue um, but, but uh, you are right Smithy around uh, the Kiwi public liking and backing winners I, I, I would have thought that you know the New Zealand women's sevens team would probably attract um, a, a reasonable crowd if they if they perhaps played a bit more at home um, so it, it, it's difficult um, certainly it's, it, it, it's difficult it's it's probably a bit disappointing to be honest. Um, but that's the way it is. And overall, as Jamie mentioned, I think um attendances or the New Zealand sporting public, um, um their habits in terms of uh, match attenders is changing. Um and, and people need a, a pretty good reason to attend. Um, as we saw this year when, you know, the All Blacks couldn't sell our Eden Park for that second weekend, so yeah, definitely a work in progress and it's going to be very interesting in terms of
0: the the, the, uh, the cricket and, and rugby cup next year. Jamie, uh, big news in rugby last week of course was the uh, um, the changing of the eligibility rule for uh, players who uh, perhaps later in their careers wanted to revert back to playing for their country of birth or that of their parents or grandparents etc. Um, I'd be interested to know what, how New Zealand voted in that we'll never know probably but um, uh, are we seeing um, When you see people like Ardi Savia Coming out and saying gee, I'd love to play for Manu Samoa I really would uh, Is there a danger here that we might um, See a little bit of an exodus Or you're not worried about that The All Blacks will still remain uh, The precedence for young Pacific Island players In particular in this country uh, well,
1: well I'd say so I, I think for now That, that the, the All Blacks probably don't have any Issues with with anyone just deciding to change their minds. Um, in fact, I, I think it's probably more the opposite that um, they think that um, uh, you know you can you can do both now. So why not go for that all black jersey early on? Um, the thing that, that is a bit concerning, and you did mention Adi uh, just before that, you know this news came out and it was a, a pretty, pretty big surprise. I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting World Rugby to go down this route um, because of. The amount of knock-on effects it's going to have um, around the world, and we see we, we're very much seeing it through the through a lens of the positive aspects it's going to have for the likes of Fiji and Samoa and Tonga. But there's so many other countries in the world that are, that, this is, that, that this is going to affect um, that we're, we'll probably find out about it, uh, you know, over the northern hemisphere summer. I mean, if you think about like internally in the UK. Uh, you know how many more players Scotland can potentially get their hands on now, as if they couldn't do that already. Um, you know how many guys in the UK have dual uh, sort of nationality allegiance with England, Scotland, and Wales, and Ireland. Like it's massive. Um, but I think um, though that you know the response was pretty predictable. You know there's a lot of guys out there who, unsurprisingly, said you know yeah I'm, I'm keen to play for Samoa and. Uh, Tonga and Tonga, and you know, lots of Lima, Lima Sopoanga, uh, Nani Lamapi and and so forth. Like that, that, was that was predictable. But it's another thing I think for Adi Sabir to be saying it. I mean, this guy is the captain of the uh, All Blacks, the captain of the Blacks this year, and is very much a senior player and a guy who is seen as uh, you know a very long-term asset um, to that team. Um, the sort of guy who they'd hopefully be projecting be player's whole career um, in in New Zealand and you know, mm. well into his into his thirties. And so for him to turn around and say, like, hey, I want to play for another country and yes it is the country of his of his birth and I'm not like hundred percent surprised that he would think that. But for him to be able to say that publicly, like that's really interesting considering how guarded the all blacks are about saying anything potentially um controversial. They usually did that mm. anything like this. So I mean that that to me was the biggest surprise out of all of them
0: yeah interesting Pat what did you make of that yeah I,
2: I, you ask if perhaps you know, hope he's a wee bit nervous um, I think they've supported this uh, this law change so I think they're pretty positive overall a around it but obviously Artie is a very high profile guy and someone uh, that uh, has been one of the best performers for the All Blacks for the last couple of years and someone who, really who I think you, know, I you want to build a team around don't they so it's it is interesting. Um, you get the sense that um, Artie doesn't say things unless he really means them. And uh, if he says he wants to play for Monday some more, I, I would have thought he wouldn't want to do it when he's a, a tired and broken old man either. I think he probably wants to, would like to sort of give them uh, some of his best. So it's going to come down to a matter of timing, uh, really, isn't it? And there's still a stand-down, obviously, a stand-down period. I, th- I think it's three years so it's it's not gonna happen any time soon, but clearly it, it is another option for guys, um, once they leave the bikes presumably they'll, you know, do the usual money making thing in the northern hemisphere and then become available for for the islands potentially. It's really gonna come down to a matter of timing. But I guess Jamie's right, it is relatively controversial for a high profile oil to come out and be so strong on this line when normally they, they, they do pretty much everything to avoid the headlines. It's an interesting dynamic.
0: It is an interesting dynamic. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, that input into, into the show uh, on a various uh, very number of, uh, of issues as well. Uh, and we'll watch this space um, in terms of uh, those Pacific Island players uh, looking to uh, jump ship I guess effectively jump ship, but I do concur with the idea that it gives them three opportunities now, really, uh, to make their way in New Zealand and to become an All Black, part one. Uh, part two, uh, to make the big bucks in the places like Japan and the UK and France, etc. Part three, to tail end your, your whole career uh, with a season or two, particularly around World Cup year, uh, for your country of origin as such or that of your parents or grandparents. So it just adds another issue to keep players in the game a little bit longer. Don't think that's a bad thing particularly with the classy ones.